Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I'm going to talk to you today from tragedy to turning point, but I've titled this sermon, It Belongs to You. It belongs to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it belongs to you. I turn to the person you didn't talk to and say, it belongs to me. It belongs to you. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for just the movement of your spirit. Thank you that you're doing a tremendous work. And God, we don't want to pass these moments by and just think that this is just normal. God, you are so faithful and you are so good. And Lord, even right now, we just we pray, continue to pray for our community. In fact, let's pray for Officer Tuya. I've just had him on my heart all morning. God, we pray for a miracle. Lord, we pray that, that you just heal his body. We know that you're able to. We pray you'll be with his family. Thank you, God, that you're healing our city. You're healing this state and this entire nation. And God, you are going to be victorious in all things. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen and amen. It belongs to you. I have a, a friend. He, he's, he's an amazing man. He works on staff here. Uh, his name is Mr. Earl Rents. Does anybody know Earl the Pearl? Some of you. And Mr. Earl is one of the most generous people I know. And I love being around generous people because I don't mind asking for stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I see something he has on that I like. I'm like, hey, Mr. Earl, can I borrow that tie? And he just says, sure, DW. He calls me DW. Sure, DW, you can borrow my tie. He's just so generous. It's just a generous spirit. And he actually celebrated a birthday yesterday, 58 years old yesterday, Mr. Earl. He's been here from the beginning. Awesome guy. And I noticed that sometimes I'll borrow things from him, and I forget to give it back to him. Am I the only one that does that? Like, I have a tie that's his I've been having for two years. I just wear it, and every time I wear it, I just think, God bless Mr. Earl. I've got a ladder, John Shoots, you'll appreciate this. I have a ladder in my garage, and I'm not a handyman, but I have Earl's ladder. I'm serious. I think I've had it for five years. And I said to Earl the other week, I said, Earl, I still have your ladder. And he's like, DW, it's okay. If I need it, I know where to come get it. And I love it. He's just generous. And I try to be generous. Any generous people in the house? Or you know somebody generous. Okay. Uh, I, I try to be generous, but there's one thing that I have such a difficult time being generous with, and that is my food. Talk to me, somebody. Like when you go to a restaurant and you order food and you have friends who are with you or even your family who's with you, who you love, like your wife and your kids or your husband, you love them, but they start looking at your plate and you just think, you better back off. I've got great kids. I love them. Three kids, Elijah, Judah, and Adeline. And it's amazing. They, they love to eat from my plate. And they, they go to do so. I just think to myself, if you wanted macaroni and cheese, you should have ordered macaroni and cheese. God bless you in the name of the Lord. And just something swells up inside of me that's not holy. It's not godly. 
but I just think this belongs to me, and I'm such a hypocrite about this. You guys think that's bad. I, I love, as much as I hate for people to eat off my plate, I love eating off other people's plate. Anybody have that anointing, that gift in your life? You just love it. I, I, I love it. I, one day I ate off of Doug's plate. I think I like, just took something with my fork. Y'all love Doug Musso, worship leader here. I, I did that, and he just looked at me, and he said, that won't happen again. <laughs> Doug, you seem so nice up on stage. <laughs> what happened? But there's some things in your life, and please hear me this morning. There's things in your life that God has given it to you. And I'm not talking about possessions. I'm talking about something far more important than something you own physically. I'm talking about something that God has put inside of you, that it belongs to you. And the enemy of your soul, he desires to steal that which God has given to you. And I want to preach a message today that it belongs to you. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. It'll be on the screen as well. And this is the scripture um, where we know a very familiar passage of scripture about David and Goliath. But I want to approach it from somewhat of a different perspective, a different angle, and talk about how the scene of David and Goliath even happened in the first place. And many of you know that in the Old Testament, Israel was given land that belonged to them. And that at the time when this was taking place, they had gone into the land. They possessed the land. But there were still enemies around who were trying to steal what belonged to them. And Israel's king at the time was a man by the name of Saul. But in a chapter before what we're going to read, chapter 16... A young boy by the name of David had just been anointed to be the next king of Israel. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1 through 3 says this. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. If you have your Bible and, and you see a pin around you, I want you to underline that. I want you to circle that phrase, that this territory, it belonged to Judah. If you don't have a Bible and you're not taking notes, just remember that this territory that the Philistines invaded, that it belonged to Judah. And it says, they encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephesus the men. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Verse 3, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. Like I mentioned before, in the Old Testament, God gave each tribe an allotment of land, that it belonged to them. It was their place. It was their territory. And Judah was one of the tribes of Israel. There's 12 tribes, if you remember. And Judah possessed land that God had given to them. But Judah had been given much more than just land. Judah had been given an amazing gift, an amazing calling, an amazing purpose that God had called Judah, this tribe that we just read about, that the enemy, the Philistines, invaded. God had given Judah the gift to praise. In fact, the, the word and the name Judah literally means praise. And praise, if you wondered, what does praise mean? Praise is proclaiming and declaring the greatness of God. How many of you in here, you know you serve a great God, an amazing God? And, and Judah's role, they had land, but their role was so much more important than what they possessed as far as land. God had entrusted them with an amazing gift 
of praise. And I'm not just talking the ability to sing. I'm talking the ability and the calling to open up their mouth and declare the greatness of the God that they served. And this gift, ironically, some of you guys know this, it was predominantly used and oftentimes used when they would go into battle. And this is, sounds like such an odd and strange military strategy for us, but God had designed that the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise, would go first into battle. So you would have the Ark of the Covenant, which represents and held the power and the presence of God, and then you would have the tribe of Judah that would follow. And Judah would go into battle leading the other tribes like Asher and Dan and Naphtali and Gad and Simeon and Reuben. They would lead those tribes, but Judah would be going with a different sound. Judah would be going with a shout of praise saying who God was, what God has done, what he's doing in the present, and what he was going to do in the future. And to us, this sounds so weird. Why in the world would God have a tribe of praise to go first? Let me tell you why. God knew that going into battle, that if the other tribes didn't hear about how great he was before they saw the strength of the enemy, then they would not be prepared for the battle that they had to face. But as Judah praised, as Judah opened up their mouth and declared how great and powerful and mighty and awesome their God was, there was a ripple effect that took place in the tribes behind them. Are you all with me today? And praise has a way of doing that. It has a way of stirring your faith. It has a way of building up that which the enemy is trying to tear down. If you're lacking in confidence, praise can give you the confidence that you need, not in your own self, but in the strength and the might of God. So you can imagine them going into battle and this tribe just shouting, declaring, proclaiming how great their God was. And praise has a way of aligning our focus on the one who is over all things. We have a daughter, me and my wife, and, and her name is Adeline, and she is just so cute. Oh, man, she is just amazingly cute. And she is almost three years old, but Adeline, she has recently just come to love the most just unbelievably boring show I've ever witnessed <laughs> called Peppa Pig. Does anybody know <laughs> what I'm talking about? I talked to a lady afterwards. She's like, I like Peppa Pig. I'm like, God bless you. Oh, you need help. Uh, Peppa Pig. And this show has like no plot. Anybody seen it? Anybody? Others of you, I'm going to tell you about it right now. I'm going to help you experience this pain. It has like no plot. It's got like no storyline hardly. There's no crisis. There's no moment where you're wondering, is Peppa going to make it? It's just this show of these pigs. You got Mama Pig, you got Daddy Pig, you got Peppa Pig, and then her brother's just George. Like, not George Pig, just George. And this is it. This is it. This is how it goes. Oh, Peppa. That's Mama Pig. Peppa, it's such a great day, Peppa. And then Peppa Pig comes in, and Peppa Pig goes, Oh, Mommy Pig. Oh, Daddy Pig. This is pretty good if you haven't seen it, by the way. It's amazing outside. And here comes Daddy Pig. Oh, Peppa Pig. It is raining outside, Peppa Pig. And this is it. This is the, this is the show. And it's like, it's raining. Let's go play in the, puppel, in, the, in the puddles. There we go. Let's go play in the puddles. And it's just this most amazingly boring show. But nevertheless, I'm telling you, when, I, when my, my daughter sees it, she is just locked into Peppa Pig. And I know this is not great parenting 
tips what I'm about to tell you, but sometimes my children have bad moments. I know none of y'all's do, but my children sometimes do. And I started doing this thing. I'll say, hey, Adeline, she's crying, fussing. I'm like, Adeline, do you want to watch Peppa Pig? She says, yes, Daddy, Peppa Pig. And she goes and she sits there, and it doesn't matter what just happened. When she watches Peppa Pig, that's all she cares about. And you're thinking, what in the world does Peppa Pig have to do with this text? This is what it has to do with it. As we serve a God, when we direct our praise and our focus on him, it has way more power, way more authority, way more potential than Peppa Pig does. And God does that. He orchestrates it that way. He had the tribe of Judah lead first because he knew that they needed to hear the sound of his greatness before they saw the strength of the enemy ahead of them. But by the time the tribes got there, by the time Dan and Asher and Nephtali, they got there, man, they were so built up in their faith. When they saw the enemy in front of them, it didn't matter how big the walls were. It didn't matter how fortified the city was. It didn't matter how many people they had in their military that they were going against. Their faith was strong because they had heard the whole journey how big and how great and how mighty and how awesome their God was. Come on, clap your hands this morning. Praise gives you perspective. It gives you a different vantage point. And as we proclaim and declare his greatness, God does an amazing work. So you see... The enemy had not just invaded any territory. The enemy, the Philistines, had invaded the territory that belonged to praise. And here they are, and they've come in. And I've come today to tell you that the gift of praise that was reserved for a tribe in the Old Testament is a gift that is given to you and given to me, and it belongs to us to bless and proclaim and declare the greatness of God that that has been given to every single person who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, that it belongs to you. But I've also come today to tell you this, that there is a real devil in hell, that there are real demons and principalities, and sometimes we hear about it and we're like, oh, come on, but it is real. The Bible has so much to say about it, and the enemy of your soul and the enemy of my soul wants to steal that which has been given to you. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and workers of darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. Somebody shout mighty. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You don't fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons. And God has equipped you. He's equipped me. He's equipped your family, your marriage, your, your finances, everything that you have. He has given you a resource called praise. And the enemy will come in. And I'm not telling you this to discourage you. It's just a fact. If you've been serving God any time, you know this. He will come in and he will try to mess with you. He will come against your marriage. He will try to drive a wedge between husband and wife. He will come in and try to cause chaos in your kids. He'll come in and try to cause a mess in your finances. He'll come in and try to affect your health. He'll come in and try to discourage the plans that God has for you. It will happen. I've also come to tell you this, that God has given you a weapon of praise that if you will open your mouth 
And you will declare and proclaim how great our God is. Even though circumstantially around you things are falling apart, something internally inside of you will start to churn and start to stir because God starts to do a work when his people start praising him. And I just wonder how good, how good are we at praising him? And I'm not talking just singing a few songs on Sunday. I'm talking how good are you when the enemy comes and attacks that you notice that it's him? As we said, we have the proclivity just to see things in the natural. We think, oh, this just happened in the natural. There's always a ramification in the natural with what's happening in the spirit realm. And I wonder how good we are at saying, God, I see this is happening. I know the enemy's attacking. I know he's coming against my home. I know he's coming against my marriage. I know he's coming against my kids. I know he's coming against this city. But God, I still know that you're the God who is able to overcome any attack, any problem, any situation. And we got to get good at praising. And I'm not talking about being like smooth with your language either. Like Pastor Mike, he is so gifted. How many of you understand? He, he is gifted. Like that brother, he could come up right now and just preach the rest of this message, and it would be so much better than anything I prepared. I mean, he is just gifted. I was talking to him the other day, and I was sharing this with him. I was like, Pastor Mike, this is what I'm feeling. He's like, ooh, I like that. I like that. And you know, you don't notice when he raises his hand, that pinky goes aside. I like that. And he said, I like that. And then he said this, he said, when the devil starts messing, God starts blessing. And I thought, can you just preach Sunday? Do you, do you mind? Like, hey, who thinks to say that? Like, you don't have to be that smooth. You just have to be willing and determined and focused to say, God, no matter what I face, no matter what comes against me, no matter what devil in hell tries to attack me, I will always, always, always proclaim your greatness and who you are and how awesome you are. You gotta be determined. And there've been times, y'all gonna think I'm crazy, but there've been times in my family that I felt like my home was under attack. And, and God will wake you up in the middle of the night He'll start stirring in you, and you know you're under attack. And, and I don't like waking up early, but sometimes you just got to wake up early, and you got to go to war. Yeah. And I'm serious. I know some of you are thinking, man, this is weird. Bring Pastor Mike back. But this is, the, this is the gospel truth. We have to understand that there is a spirit realm around us, and we have to rise up for battle. There's been times I've gone in my kids' room, man. They're asleep, and they're young, but I'm telling you, the devil comes after them when they're young and when they're old. It don't matter. He comes after them. There's been times I've gone in their room, and I just lay my hands on them, and I start declaring how awesome God is, how God has a purpose and a plan for their life, that the enemy cannot touch them. He can't have them. And I just start, I just start praying over them. They're just asleep. They don't even know what's going on. But there's something stirring in the spirit realm. God has given you a gift, the gift of praise, and it belongs to you. How good are we at praising him? I have a friend He's a great guy. He's passionate about God. And he sends me these texts from time to time. And all the texts will say is this, how big is your God? That's all he'll say. And one time, the first time he ever sent it to me, he sent me that text, how big is your God, at 4.30 in the morning. Now, I don't know about you, but generally at 4.30 in the morning, 
I'm just really in the zone sleeping. I mean, it's just, you're talking about the presence of God. It's awesome. And I'm just sleeping. And, and the, my, my phone buzzes, and I look over, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this guy really is crazy. He's texting me at 4.30 in the morning, how big is my God? And so I did what any godly man would do. I put the phone down, and I went back to bed. <laughs> and later, I woke up, and I remembered. I was like, this guy, he texted me this. I woke up, and I started texting him back. And I went to text, oh, God is big. He's awesome. He's powerful. And I almost sent it. But then I just felt something stirring in me because when you start to praise, you can't help yourself. You just kind of continue to praise. You just got to start it. Sometimes you just got to start. You say, well, I don't really know how. Sometimes you just got to start and God will start stirring. And I started texting him back and I started just thinking out loud and saying out loud, my God, if you want to know how big he is at 430 in the morning, I'm going to tell you how big he is. Get ready. You better pack your lunch because I'm going to send you the longest message you've ever received in your life. I started saying, my God is so big, he cannot even be described how big he is. He is infinite. My God is so big, he creates everything out of nothing. He doesn't have to use his hands. He doesn't have to use material. He just speaks and things happen. My God is so big that he is unmatched and unrivaled. My God is so big that cancer bows before him. Diabetes bow before him. Devils in hell bow before him. I will tell you how big my God is. And as you can tell, I kind of got carried away, and I started texting all these things, but this is what happened. Something on the inside of me started stirring, and he has since sent me that text many times. And some days he sends me that text, and I need to be reminded of how big my God is. I know the enemy comes against you. I know he is real. I know he will attack, but his power is dwarfed in comparison with the power of the God that we serve. If you believe that, can you put your hands together this morning? How big is your God? The story goes on and the children of Israel, they are paralyzed with fear. The tribe of Judah had stopped doing what Judah was called to do. The tragedy of this story is not that the Philistines showed up. The tragedy of the story is Judah stopped praising. Something that belonged to them, they allowed the enemy to steal from them. And the Bible says that there was a giant by the name of Goliath that would show up every single morning and every single evening, and he would insult the armies of Israel. He would attack who their God was. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, it says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The enemy will always, always, always use fear to distract you from your praise. Always. The scripture says in 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. Somebody shout power. power. Of love. Say love and a sound mind. And here's the deal. As much as you know God by the presence of peace, you will always know the enemy by the presence of fear. Fear does not come from God. It always comes from the devil. And here's the deal. If God did not give it to you, then you do not have to keep it. I'm going to say that again. If it didn't come from God, then you don't have to keep it. If it came from God, you hold on to it. 
But fear never comes from him. If it didn't come from him, you don't have to keep it. The enemy will always try to distract your praise, steal your praise, hinder your praise by fear. And I had a friend in, in college. I went to school up in East Tennessee, and, and there was a friend of mine. Just a, he was a different dude. But he was country as country can be. Any country folks in the house? This guy has you beat. He was country as country can be. And he would just always say this thing. It, like it just was the oddest thing. He would always say, it didn't have to be a spiritual matter, but if he didn't like something, he would just say, that ain't God. That's what he'd say. That ain't God. Somebody try that out. That ain't God. And so we'd be in class. This is a true story. We'd be in class, and the teacher would say, hey, students, next week we have a midterm. He would turn around in his desk and look at me, and he would say, that ain't God. <laughs> Strange. He would ask girls out on a date. And surprisingly, they would tell him no. And he would look at them and say, that ain't God. <laughs> Who does this? He'd go out to eat. He didn't like Chinese food for some reason. I love me some Chinese food. Talk to me, 1115. Some of y'all ready to go eat some Chinese right now. And we would be out, and I'd say, hey, let's go, let's go eat Chinese. And he didn't like it. He'd just say, that ain't God. Can I tell you today, when the enemy comes in your territory, in your camp, and he starts to distract your praise through fear, you have to remember, this ain't God. Get behind me, devil. You have no place in my life. It's not from him, and you do not have to keep it around you. Listen to what David said in Psalm 34. David says this, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, not just sometimes, in the good times and the bad times, when things are going well and when things are going bad. He says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord and he heard me and watch this, the last statement, and delivered me from all my fears. When fear comes, you counter it with the weapon of praise. There's been times in my life where I've been just overcome with fear. Just consume you. And if you've had this happen to you before, then you know what I'm talking about. Just anxiety and worry just come on you and it just consumes your thoughts and your heart and your spirit. And it just takes over. This is the place that Israel was. But God says you always come against fear that's not from God. That ain't God. You come against it with praise. The story continues, and it moves from tragedy to a turning point. When a young boy by the name of David shows up, and this is the part most of us know, but David shows up, and somehow David has a different perspective than everybody else that's been around for the past 40 days. Most scholars and historians believe that David was 15 years old or younger. Don't tell me God can't use a young person to change things around. 15 years old or younger, he shows up. He sees what they have seen. He hears what they have heard. The insults, the slander, the attack coming from Goliath. But David has a different perspective. David comes in and he just so happens to be from the tribe of Judah. And while the whole tribe had stopped praising, David was a boy who knew how to praise. And when you know how to praise, your perspective of situations are different than everybody else sees things. 
People see it and they see despair. But when you're a person of praise and you're used to elevating, exalting the name of Jesus above anything else, when you see a situation that seems impossible, you know the God of the impossible. And David comes in and David sees what's taking place. And David asks this question in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David getting personal, y'all. That he should defy the armies of the living God. Now watch this. David didn't come in and say, Goliath's weak. Goliath's not big. He's not strong. And sometimes we think praise is a matter of denying reality that's taking place. David doesn't come in and say, man, Goliath's puny. But instead, David recognized the power and the strength of Goliath. But David knew something that everybody else had forgotten. David knew that as strong as Goliath was, the God that he had been serving in the pastures was stronger than this Goliath. He's stronger than this giant. And David comes in and his perspective is unique. His perspective has praise attached to it. And from the tribe of Judah, he comes in in just one moment in time. He brings back praise to the camp. David won the battle long before he ever fought Goliath because he saw him and he knew as big as this guy is, as strong as this guy is, my God is stronger. My God is bigger. And I wonder in your own life, what is it that is beckoning your attention that you think this is too big, this is too great, but I've come today to tell you if you will exercise the gift that belongs to you, your perspective of the situation will be different. Doesn't mean the situation will always change, but your perspective and your mindset will be different. And David comes in and you know the story. He goes against Goliath. Goliath comes down and he says, how would you send this dog after me? That's what he calls David, this dog with sticks. And David stands up and he says, Goliath, you come at me with a spear and a sword and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And this day, he will deliver you into my hands. David goes and he kills the giant. He cuts off the man's head. You're talking about a bedtime story to your kids. Cuts off his head. And this is what the Bible says. I love this. Don't miss this. And we'll close with it. 1 Samuel 17, 51 and 52. It says, now when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Watch this. When they saw what David did through the power of God, now they have turned to fear. But then it goes on and says, now the men of Israel and, everybody say it, Judah. One more time, Judah. Israel and Judah arose and they shouted. This was not a shout of fear. This is a shout of praise that's been brought back. The enemy who was taunting them has been defeated by a boy that was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and knew how to praise. And he says that they pursued the Philistines. In one moment, praise was restored to the camp. In one moment, praise can be restored to your life. And you know what's amazing about it? It only took one person. The ripple effect of praise only took one person. And the, the armies of God moved from a position of sitting in fear to a position of standing and shouting. And Judah reclaimed that which belonged to them, the gift of praise. And I want to tell you, 
The story is even better than that. Because hundreds of years later, another from the tribe of Judah who was so much greater than David was sent from heaven to earth. And he defeated the enemy of your life by dying on the cross, by being buried and rising again from the grave. And the enemy's future is set. The enemy has been defeated. It's just not a matter he will be. He has been defeated. And when he comes against you and he taunts you like Goliath taunted them, you remind the enemy where his destiny is set to. A one-way ticket that God has already paid the price. He has already forgiven us and he is sending him on his way. And this is the powerful thing. When Jesus hung on the cross, he did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And because of that, we can be a people who shout. We can be a people who praise. We can be a people who clap our hands. We can be a people of faith. Come on, if you believe in this morning, put your hands together in this place. That's the God that we serve. David, what are you trying to tell me? This is what I'm trying to tell you. Praise belongs to you. Praise belongs to you. The gift to open your mouth and proclaim the goodness of God, it belongs to you. Circumstances will come. Difficulties will happen. The enemy will strike. But you have something that belongs to you that he is unable to steal. And that's the gift of praise that's been given to you by God himself. And I pray we use as a weapon and we allow the power of Christ to be seen in our lives, be seen in this church, and to be seen in this city. Does anybody receive this word this morning? Come on, put your hands together. God is good. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.